0: Hey there, I'm Jason Gotts, and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Started in 2008, Big Think is a kind of online think tank of big ideas from some of the most creative thinkers on the planet. On the Think Again podcast, we revisit these ideas in new and unpredictable ways. Our producers surprise me and my guests with short interview clips from Big Think's archives, ideas that we didn't necessarily come here expecting to discuss. I am very, very happy to be here today with novelist Claire Massoud. She's the author of seven novels, including The Woman Upstairs and The Emperor's Children. She's been awarded an Addison Metcalf and the Strauss Living Award from the American Academy of Arts and Letters, among many other literary honors. The New Yorker calls her adept at evoking complex psychological territory, which is most definitely the case in her latest novel, The Burning Girl, about the tortuous course of a childhood friendship. Welcome to Think Again. Thank
1: you, Jason. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. I'm I'm gonna start by just kind of outing myself and admitting that The Burning Girl is the first novel of yours that I've read, but I will be reading many more. Like it's very
1: uh, dear of you, very, but uh, thank you for reading this one. I
0: feel I should be upfront about that because otherwise, I feel like I'm going to be I'll, I'll be spending time sort of pretending that you know I know more than I know. But uh, no, I thoroughly and deeply enjoyed it. And there's there's something that you you write that. And I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it's basically how the story, what the story means, depends on where you start. Like who's good, who's bad, what it all means. I'm totally mangling yeah, your writing. That sounds pretty but, much it. Yeah. But that's the general, that's the general idea. And I, I thought we might start there because I thought, I thought that that gets very much to the heart of a lot of things that are going on in *The Burning Girl*.
1: So I, I, I suppose my immediate impulse is to answer that more generally and say, I think it's, in the book, it's, I think Julia's, the narrator is named Julia, and mm-hmm. she's talking about her friendship with Cassie. And so it, it's her thought, but but it is actually, you know, there are those moments where she's like, you, the author, you had a thought, and you give it to a character, and you let them have it. And, and I suppose that, you know, it's something that I'm just generally aware of, is is how uh, how when you, when you choose to tell a story, uh, Every, you know we can all start with the same facts but but your perspective and where you where you stand to tell a story and when you begin it it becomes a completely different story something of which of course you know we're particularly aware at present in the in the broader culture right 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 right, right. <laughs> perspective seems to count for so much
0: <laughs> sure sure yeah and so like in the context of your story um you know of the burning girl what how does that perspective affect the relationship with between Julia and Cassie? Like how, you know, what, what does she mean by saying, you know, well, where I start changes right, the story entirely? Right. I mean,
1: I think if you um in it, what she literally means in that moment is uh, she is telling from sort of towards the end of high school now, is where she's narrating the story from. And she's talking about the, this friendship that the girls, having having been close since nursery school, right. were sort of inseparable all the way up until basically seventh grade, and that and that that then their their friendship changed uh as and they you know they sort of went in different directions they're not only friend, not friends but not in the same life as it as right. they're not living right in the same place so the, the the so she could start julia just literally is acknowledging i could start i could if i start in seventh grade if i start two weeks into seventh grade it's already a different story than than if i start at the beginning right you know and so that's the that's the actual practical thing. But but I, I would just add that so for me when I was writing it was really important that it be from Julia's in Julia's voice and Julia's point of view. And that the reader hopefully is aware and and maybe sometimes forgetting a little, but ultimately is really aware that this is Julia's take. Everything is Julia's take on right. what happened. That it isn't it isn't a third person narrative where, you know, where there's no filtering subjective consciousness. This is one person's story of how it went down
0: that's right yeah and it's seeing it through her eyes the things that the ways that cassie change it like we're 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 sympathetic to cassie's suffering she goes through a great deal of suffering um but i mean we definitely see or i feel julie as sensible reasonable grounded and sort of I don't know. Right in some ways, in ways that that Cassie doesn't. As she
1: feels herself. herself, right, 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 right. Which which I I feel like is part of the, um, you know, is, is is part of it. But but also, there's a lot she doesn't. Julia doesn't really know. Right. So that she's assuming she knows or projecting, you know, because because when you know someone, or think you know someone really well. You sort of you get three three things you get told three things that they did and you kind of make a story like I understand why that happened because you know he's a really thoughtful and generous guy so I'm sure it worked out this way because of that right but actually a lot of the time we're filling in you know we're filling in the blanks without really having all the information and that's something that that Julia with her certainty that she's the sensible rational grounded one you know well, she's like well this is the rational story
0: right right well no I, yeah and. We're dealing with something really horrible and something that most people experience in one form or another, which is this alienation from another person that you think you really know well. At the same time, there's a cozy feeling. I don't know whether this is just because of how you write. There's something very supporting, welcoming in a sense, even though it deals with some quite intense and terrible things. But so I've I've said three things there. But yeah. but, but <laughs> Thank you though. I'm glad, <laughs>
1: it, I'm glad if it feels, you know, sort of welcoming in some way or so as though the story is anyway,
0: There's some no, there's something very peaceful and sort of calming about I think it's the rhythm of the writing. I think it's the way you write. But I but I want to talk a little bit about that sort of horror and that ambiguity and that that weirdness of that transition from early childhood to middle school to high school and what you're getting at with that in here
1: so so um, you know structurally the book is divided into three parts and, and in my in my mind you know the first part is is essentially childhood still and the middle part is literally the sort of transition and the the third part is officially not adulthood but but are they have crossed some they've crossed the river as it were right. and 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 in some sense left the
0: garden of eden right, they've as left it the, were. <laughs> and, and there
1: really is i think in my um conception some sort of fall from eden and that mm. that is tied up with a lot of things but i think childhood friendships when we're kids we don't ask questions we often don't need language you know i have a memory of of uh, my father was and so we had French relatives and staying with the French relatives and at the at the local swimming pool befriending a, a French girl who was my age and we played for four hours without ever exchanging a word like right. I you know I didn't I had a little French but not much but we didn't even speak we but we were playing in the water I thought there's some there's some almost animal freedom you know it's for it's it, that that kids have yeah I have um, a
0: nine-year-old and he can play all day with ten kids he's never met before and have no idea who anyone's name is or any, right. and any a, of those kinds of, and
1: it's totally free. in some. Right, right, right. Is your nine-year-old your eldest, or He's your only? He's my only. only yeah. yeah. So I feel like, and what lies ahead is is some awakening into sort of a more adult self consciousness, consciousness and self consciousness.
0: Right. And right. It, and it is for better a, and worse. Right. Or, for better
1: and worse, and it is a sort of it is a, a fall from and It is a loss. I mean, there are many things gained. We couldn't be grown ups without being. You know, we couldn't right. sort of function in the world. But but you do lose something, and you lose you lose this, a type of intimacy, you know. And right. I think it's actually very hard to regain that.
0: As and you say, like that animal it, animal nature. I mean, we sort of lose, you know, like, yeah, I mean, and when we're children, we are we are very much just sort of mammals rolling around and running around. And I mean, with all the added <laughs> features that we have,
1: but, you know, As human being. creativity
0: <laughs> and so on, you know, but, but, but yeah, I mean, we just kind of jump in and we, and we just, we kind of exist and coexist. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I guess when you grow up, it's more about like, what am I doing now, and why? Sort well, of. Well, and and really I think you know, for strategizing in, in, you the,
1: know. in the in the in the book, I I'm trying to get you know th- things like the, the demographic differences and so, you know sort of social differences. Right. When you're a kid, you're you're really not. I mean, I've seen it with my own kids too, where they're like, they come to the realization like where we live is small compared to where some of their friends live. So so suddenly they don't want to have. They never cared before. They don't want to have people over because they feel like their friends are going to go home and say, why does he live in such a, you know.
0: Yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking. Like Cassie and Julie, Julie uh, are sort of at different social strata. Right. Cassie's...
1: They're both middle class kids. Right. But, but, but is more privileged in all sorts of ways. Right,
0: you know? right. And we get that sort of through Julia's mother right. who is is kind and everything but sort of up to a point. There's a kind of awareness that she's communicating.
1: Right. There's some sense. Consciously that, or unconsciously. That, 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 that in time, if, it not, if not now, then eventually, like you're going to go to college,
0: yeah. you know,
1: you're going to go on to whatever you do, it will be outside this little town. That's right?
0: very real. I mean that, you know, I, like I, I remember that with like some of my first cousins, you know, yeah. like those kinds of things would be communicated in our family. Like we'd be very close at Christmas and everything, but it's like you know, there, you have this sense of distance. Right, the and,
1: worlds, yeah. ultimately the worlds are going to be different. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that's, when kids are small, I feel like it never comes up. And then there is this moment as you come into your, into the world, like you come into adolescence where I feel like then, I, I mean, I certainly don't think when I, was a, when I was a little child that anybody ever made those distinctions Yeah. in front of me and or made me feel those distinctions. Or maybe I just didn't feel them, I don't
0: know. I think there's a parental fear, which, you know, is, May or may not be justified, and certainly gets to some of the complexities of adulthood that like at some point, your associations are going to define what right. happens to you right you know right yeah. Right. Right. It's it's chilling yeah. to think about. Well, it is, you know. It,
1: but that's just one of the ways, you right, know. Right, this is right, right, one of right, the right, right. one of the things that 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 they're right. coming into the awareness right. of, and the right. and the other. I mean, all of these other things. Like, there's, I, I would sort of frame it as the awareness of your body, which, which that's a
0: big thing in your book. Yeah. yeah please which, continue. Which is
1: something that I think adolescents, no one passes through unmarked by by that by that experience of of just sort of coming into your, your your body as a strange, unknown, changing shape that has all of these, you know, that sexuality is part of that in a, in, in a, in a way that becomes unignorable or becomes willfully ignored. I mean, that's right. also, a, a you know, an option for many young people is just to say, like, I'm just not going to deal with that right now. Which know? I
0: sort of feel like... Happens a little bit for Julia. Like I don't Julia. I don't Julia doesn't. You know, she's there's a love interest, but there's there's just not a lot of focus on or explicit talk about sexuality, except in the context of some rumor of something that somebody might have done. And
1: in my you know my experience, I would say for a lot of girls, there is a version of, of that. You know, I I look back and I when I was in in middle school and high school, I I was part of a group of friends. We all we talked a lot about our crushes. Right. But the point of the crush almost was the conversation with your girlfriends. Like the the actual reality seemed kind of scary. <laughs> right. so like if you were actually <laughs> right, going right, to be right. sort of in a room with a so so like spin the bottle that wasn't scary, but the actual cuz you know you just kissed a boy or whatever, but the idea that of, of actually having some, you know, being like alone somewhere doing something I mean, with specific some physical
0: contact and, like, yeah. and
1: and conversation right um, both okay. like both both things terrifying right? <laughs> right so so you know I think um, but yes physical con- like all of it just scary and overwhelming and I think you know structurally certainly communities of girls find ways to kind of some communities of girls find ways to kind of push that push that back a bit like we'll deal with that later like, right 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 you know, right, let, right, right. Let, let's just let's talk about you know how how handsome i'm not to say, like, george c- Clooney, cir- but whoever young people
0: circumambulate it circum- right. in a way right, right. let's like, talk about like harry circum- styles <laughs> instead of
1: about you know <laughs> right he, right
0: right right yeah whereas boys well there are, i guess i there think are it's two- physically different for I boys. I, okay? I, it, absolutely, and I resist like the phrases of like, there are two kinds of people, one, you know, but there for me anyway, there are two kinds of boys. Like, I was one kind, and the other kind were the ones who sat around and were like, ooh, she's hot, you right. know, blah, 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 and like, then there were sort of, I don't know, kind of the wistful romantic boys, you know? Right. That, seemed, that right. seems like the right. split, but, right. but yeah, physically very different, like we're not focused. You, you talk a lot about the kind of, in this book, the sort of the the menace and in a sense the the physical shutting down and guardedness that happens as a young woman emerges into adolescence, like just dealing with the idea that you're the you know your body's vulnerable and like there's a threat all around. Right. You know?
1: and, well, and, and I think you know one of the things that's really complicated about that that I was trying in some way to con- convey in the in in part in the way that it's all Julia's story is one I think. Different girls and women experience that very differently, right? And, but, but also that I think the the, the cultural message is one of threat, right? Right. No, that's, that's the, right. I didn't put that. No, no. Yeah, but, right. but, whether yeah. the reality, to some degree, obviously there is there. I mean, to some degree, there's some there's threat. But I feel like in the same way, um, I I was. Uh, with the kids, we did not get to the end of it. We were we were watching because they had never seen it. Bowling for Columbine.
0: Okay. Do, I don't know if you've ever. Yes, I have but, seen. But
1: but but in which Michael Moore talks talks about how a culture of fear, you know, in, in the United States leads to a desire. To own weapons because right. because it's it, but it's about it's it's often about understanding ourselves as being under threat, right? That somebody's going to break into my house. What if I don't have a gun and so on?
2: Yeah. And I feel
1: like by the, by the same token, it's a culture of fear that sort of educates women to feel constantly vulnerable, right? right? That that that, which is not to say women aren't in situations vulnerable, but but I think there's a culture that promotes that.
0: That's, that's right. And I, I, you know, not to get too vague and metaphysical here, but I, I, I've been thinking lately about how, in a broader sense, like that, those are kind of the two poles of human existence and interaction, like on the one hand, the sort of fear-based competitive, and on the other hand, the sort of open collaborative, like the, okay. the, that is treating other people, giving other people the benefit of the doubt, as if they are not out to get you, right. versus assuming that they probably that they, are. That they yeah.
1: probably are. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. And I think you know, in terms of, of in envisioning an ideal version of our society, <laughs> I mean, I guess different people have different ideals. Right. Right. But, but I would, you know, that 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 sort of collaborative openness, which seems, in terms of. The productivity that would be possible and the creativity that would be possible—it seems so much uh, better—a model would also necessitate a complete shift in our consciousness. Yes, in our in in the way we are acculturated, certainly right now.
0: Yeah, because well, because I think that suspicion and fear are self self-fulfilling prophecies. I'm not saying no one is actually out to get right. you, as you said. You know, some people are, but like. It's self-perpetuating, yeah. and it right.
1: Well, and 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 to bring it back, just to the to, yeah, the, to the idea, to the of, but to but to women's bodies, right? I think I think there is this strange paradox about about women's bodies that they are alternately um, to be revered and protected and as, as, as sort of sacred, and utterly dispensable.
2: Right. right.
1: I mean, in the sort of most the tritest formulation, the sort of Madonna horror, right? right? You know, part of what girls, even now if not overtly are still tacitly educated in is this idea you know you can you have a choice your body is a temple you are precious you're headed for for great things right you're going to fuck around pardon my french no, if no, that's yeah no, totally. you know you're going to fuck around you, that's going to take you on a certain path, and then you, you know we're not responsible then for what might happen.
0: Right, and both of those are fantasies, strange fantasies, fantasies and, that. And sp-
1: even in an era of sexual liberation, you know, so-called, that remains true. And you can talk to teenage girls, and you know, the word "slut" is still, you know, is just it's just bandied about. And if you go to if you go to a sort of ninth-grade classroom and say, "Who's the slut? Where are the sluts?" They people will. Point at a certain, you know, certain people and say there. You know, it's not as they say. I don't know what you're talking just
0: about. Just as is the, just as like the idea of the like queen, the princess right. is alive
1: and well. quite alive yes. and quite well
0: in popular culture yes. as well. Yeah. And
1: and and the narratives feed the reality. It's a sort of circuit. the The, the stories then get you know get enacted, become the stories, get enacted.
0: And right, then and 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 sort of the queen, and maybe the like, queen princess thing is sometimes an antidote to the alternative you know, like right. you've, when blood is spilled on one side, like something has to happen, right? It's like a redemption narrative versus a fall narrative. Yes, a fall narrative. Yes. A a fall fall.
1: Narrative. Yeah. yes.
0: Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the the asylum. Uh, so in, in your book, there's Cassie and Julia, they just there's this like broken down asylum in the woods and they they go in there and this is like a real transgressive move. They they literally break a window and they go in. But there's a lot going on with that asylum conceptually. Can can we talk a little bit about that? Like about what sort of what role that, that plays in their friendship?
1: Um Sure. I mean, where do you want to start? I feel like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should
0: ask you a real yeah, question. I, I,
1: I, no, I mean, I, I can, I can go on about the asylum and you know what was in. Well, my that is brother.
0: that is to say that like. So the so it's an asylum like it's a it's an old disused insane asylum, right?
1: Specifically, women's. Uh, asylum. Okay,
0: women's asylum. So from maybe from the time when women were being treated for like hysteria and so is it that old so
1: it 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 dates from no it's it's because that would be the late 19th century okay so from from say um i think it's the 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 time of after the depression so the 30s um until uh i think i think in my narrative it closes in the 90s you can actually if you look up (laughs) Asylum. <laughs> you look up sila and the histories of them. Um, the closures. M- many of them closed um, from between about eighty eight and eighty eight. There, right, right. there was. There the, was. The, there are still a, f- a few ex- existing institutions of that kind but this but, was like
0: a federal thing that happened it was a change and, in the right, law and, yeah. and, and
1: and you know there's that um, it's, it's been a long time since I read any of it but Foucault's sort of masterwork is the the history of madness mm-hmm. which is which is about society's treatment of the so-called insane right. right over centuries and certainly we have in our lifetimes we've we've seen a, a an epistemic shift from one understanding which is there are sane people and insane people, and we draw a barrier and we incarcerate the people or institutionalize, right. lock up the people who are who we deem insane. We've moved away from that model into into a much more sort of fluid understanding of mental health. Um, Even
0: the most recent, the DSM-5, which is the psychiatric manual, it deals with conditions like what used to be called bipolar, I guess or is now called bipolar and autism as, as, spectrums, as spectrums rather than as right, you know as sort of monolithic.
1: With a with a with a clear yeah. yeah with a clear delineation. Yeah. So so that cultural shift has made those institutions, those literal physical buildings obsolete. Right. right. But it does still leave the question, it begs the question of how how do we now um, how do we now understand and contend with all of the issues that we formerly just locked away and in the context of julia and cassie's friendship you know cassie is sort of becomes narratively a problem right she becomes she becomes i I always have in mind it was back in college in a film studies class and studying film noir and and being told specifically about the film gilda um the transgressive female must be contained Right? That was like narratively, the transgressive female must be contained. Okay, um, And, and that, that actually that was a sort of perhaps unconscious, but a like societal push, contain that female. Right, But but literally, you, there used to be places you could contain them. Send that hysterical woman away. Um, but how now do we do that? And we do that instead with stories and with the stories that we tell about people and the labels that we put on people. We, we contain them in other ways. And I, and, and I feel that culturally, we actually are sort of... Film and television and, and fiction culture is full of dead bodies of women. And that one of the ways in which we contain contain the women who don't fit an appropriate narrative is narratively kill them off.
0: Kill them off, right. So early on, the, the asylum, when they when when Julia and Cassie break in there, it, it becomes it's a place for stories. Like they basically go in there and they they play pretend and they, they can
1: Stuff up. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then and then it it also then later when things get really bad for Cassie, she ends up there as Returning. well. In a sense self contained in there,
1: I yes. guess. And I think, you know, that there are all sorts of ways in which I, I you know, I, I feel as though it seems wearisome to start explicating like you know I don't want I I feel like I want it to be open in some way for people to have the experience and 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 interpret it as they as as it as sure. it seems right to them or feels right to them and but there is for me at least there's some echo that it's its self-containment it's also a return to something, or you know, it's right. also a return to something earlier. And it's
0: and it's and it's and it's funny that that should be a an abandoned asylum. Right. that that's the place of
1: of uh, comfort of, and right, safety ease and, yeah. and pleasure or whatever yeah. is. So so the, for me yeah, there yeah. was that echo. There that, you know, I felt that I wanted there to hopefully to be sort of both of those echoes.
0: Yeah, yeah. There. No, I definitely didn't want to push you to no. we- wearisomely <laughs> dissect your own narrative. I know I'm very mindful of that. I mean, when I, you know when I speak to anyone who writes fiction, that like especially someone who writes like you do, where you're getting at ambiguities, you're getting at complexities. By its very nature, sort of sitting down and trying to like parse all that like feels antithetical to what. You know, to just letting the thing do its thing, right?
1: Right. Well, there's a wonderful Eudora Welty thing where she says, "If if I could explain it more succinctly, I wouldn't have to write it." Right. right? Like I, I wrote, the thing is the thing. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And That is that is the explanation of itself. Is the thing itself.
0: And yet, and yet, here we are. It's 2017, and it's explainy internet culture. So we must <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. We must discuss. Um, so let's. Let's, I think at this point, let's turn to the surprise videos and see what they are. So, this is Russell Simmons, it seems, um, the music impresario on the Donald Trump candidacy when I guess it was only a candidacy. So, let's start there.
3: You asked me if Donald Trump's a happy man. He seems to be happy. I think he believes himself, as much as we all believe ourselves. Um, I don't know him to be the kind of racist that he'll probably flip. Who knows if he actually wins the nomination he'll, be, he'll say something like, if the King of England was next door or if the British were next door I'd build a wall. That would make everybody say, oh my God, that's you know, nationalist, not a you know, racist. And he would change his rap. He would disavow his endorsement from David Duke, he would change. I think he's trying to win. I think America likes the frank talk. It's divisive and it's sad that he's where he is and that America buys into it. So many people buy into it. Could say, oh, I'm glad he's going to be the nominee because Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton could beat him. But you could also say the damage he's done, the amount of hate he's spewed up, is, is in our midst, it's around us. People wouldn't say the shit they say now if it were not for him promoting it in a way that it's okay to say this about Muslims, about Latinos, the underhanded remarks that speak to anti-Semitism, that speak to racism. Those things you couldn't say as a candidate. Before you know it, we, we all the work that people have done to promote equality for their gender, for their, you know, for their race, for their, you know, particular marginalized position. You know, white supremacy is a hell of a thing. If you're a white male, you can say politically correct doesn't matter. And as an artist, I never thought it mattered. But if it's not politically correct and you're running for office and all these political and social things come up, then if you're a woman, you're in trouble. If you're gay, you're in trouble. If you're Latino, you're in trouble. If you're African-American or Muslim or Jewish, you're in trouble. Once politically correct, goes out the window. The only person safe is a white male.
1: I feel, obviously, today, this week of all weeks, you know, in the wake of What's just happened in Charlottesville? I had to, I've been I was driving a car yesterday, all day, so I've I missed a news cycle. I know there was a demonstration yeah for for anyone
0: North. who's for anyone who is listening to this later or doesn't know, yeah, like two days ago, I guess in Charlottesville there was
1: White demonstration
0: wh- yeah in 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 against removing a Confederate monument and then counter demonstration. And a guy who I guess is a white supremacist or identifies as such drove into, a, into the crowd, killed at least one person. A young woman one and person. injured a number of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, so.
1: and, and let it be said, the president was equivocal in his comments and did not condemn for, I think, 48 hours. I think that, you know, um, he came out and, and, and I believe laterally made a speech in which he condemned. What racism happened racism? And but but in initially he his initial comment was that there were uh, there was something like, uh, along the lines that there was bad behavior on many sides. Yeah. I mean it was just yeah
0: yeah, yeah.
1: unfathomable uh, that that this would be the response of the leader of of the United States. Um, so I, I find what's poignant for me about watching uh, Russell Simmons speak here is it's in so much more hopeful a moment and still the darkness and the venom that was already stirred up by Trump's candidacy alone right. you know it's not as though Russell Simmons is feeling hopeful and optimistic except there's this underlying hope that
0: he won't win he won't win <laughs> right which he did yeah which he did and i mean when he did win like in the immediate aftermath of that of course like i and so many other people were like oh good lord you know the the world has has ended and here we are, and Charlottesville happened a couple of days ago. But I mean, where are you at, Claire Massoud, at this point, like with respect to what's going on in American culture? Like, how do you see it?
1: I wish I felt more <laughs> sanguine than I... Right now, I'm not feeling very sanguine. I wish I, f- I felt more so. I mean, you, you know, you have, to, you have to say to yourself, a year ago, how different? things looked which means that in a year they could look again very different we don't know what the future holds exactly and we do know that more than half of this country did not vote for this president I do um, I think one of the the internet and and social media is a that is a Pandora's box and it is a powerful entity the harnessing of which it seems as though the forces of darkness have have been Harnessing that force more effectively laterally than the, than the forces of good. I mean, I, you know, just thinking about the sort of rise of of hatred and invective and divisive and beyond that, I mean, just unthinkable talk and action, right? Right. Um, in this country, and 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 you know, even a year ago, um, but certainly by the fall. I mean, in I live in you know happy, cheerful, liberal Cambridge, Massachusetts, right. where. A Latina professor was physically attacked by youths who, who said, "Go back to where you came from." I mean, you know, the things that you just wouldn't. And 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 we, I know from anecdotal reports of ex- extraordinary threats and hostility and invective that 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 public intellectuals have been uh, subject to over Twitter and you know other sort of social media forms. Things that would have been unthinkable. 2 years ago right we watched a uh, with my family we watched a documentary about homegrown jihadis it was an hbo thing i think okay. and it seemed that many of them had been watching the same preacher imam who who preached in english okay. right and they were watching their parents didn't know as far as their parents were concerned these kids were you know doing homework on you know doing math homework on their computer but actually they were being radicalized by hate speech and that's something that, that, when you have a the leader of the world, uh, f- well, let's not give him that. The leader of the United States. Let's right, not right, give right, him right. the leader, the of, the leader world, of the free world. world yeah. I feel really he does not have that. He, I, I don't think he merits that title at this point. No. no. But the leader of this um, country spewing invective, or you know, uh, as making no steps uh, to condemn it, even, then, then I think the effects are profound.
0: I think it raises real existential questions for us about like, you know, like I I feel like America, it's it's not like it's been it hasn't been, you know, paradise for the last decades, but but we have to a certain extent had the luxury of resting on the laurels of American exceptionalism to say like, well, you know, relatively speaking, we're doing better. You know, this this raises the very real question of like, what actually are our values and how how do we you know how do you go about making a world or a country where those values
1: are held up yeah, yeah upheld
0: <laughs> yeah like I mean it just I don't know I just think it, it it puts a lot of pressure on every individual to to kind of have to think about these things a lot. Harder than we might have,
1: right? If, uh, Wh- which I actually think is—it's probably a good thing. It's right? probably—I yeah. uh, mean, sort of the the, the most positive scenario or, <laughs> or sort of way of approaching this would be to say this is a galvanizing moment. This really is a, a situation in which, as 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 Americans, each of us has something very meaningful and profound to stand up for and fight for and believe in, uh, and what democracy means and and what we believe a democracy is what our responsibilities are as citizens um, to one another to our society to the culture that we that we love and want to build you know i I feel as though many of us have been apathetic or passive or or just assumed everything would be fine and and i think we have this really powerful sense that it's not
0: yeah it's been easy to do in like cambridge or new york you know yeah yeah And Yeah.
1: and but i mean at the same time there are these you know, there are these sort of broader global questions. I, 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 how, how, it, in some sense, this—I don't—I don't really care that the stock market is doing well. I would say it's in in, in, in terms of moral authority, it's the end. For yeah. America, right? As a, yeah. That's why I say that I mean, right. you, there's no how do you how do you reclaim the, any the, as, as high a, ground after this, right? Right, 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 no. right.
0: As the as the PR people would say, the brand is tarnished, yeah, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> and, and
1: potentially irreparably tarnished. Right. right. I mean, I think it's now. It will be interesting to see what in what other nations and in what other capacities leaders come forward um, to offer a, a you know to offer some more optimistic alternative because this is pretty bad
0: yeah like China's rising right what will happen when china's like China's an authoritarian government, but it's a it's a collectivist culture that is very fundamentally different from the individualistic culture of the west. What happens when that comes into its own on the world stage right. you know like right. what 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 moral um reality might proceed right. from that I right
1: i mean i i th- I feel that all of these like you know it, it's now it's now Probably close to ten years ago, that I heard a, uh, in the wake of the two thousand eight crash, the um, two thousand seven eight, the the uh, uh, an academic speaking about, uh, on the radio on NPR speaking about mm-hmm. the fact that, the reason why the rights of the individual are enshrined in the Constitution is because the the common good was was taken as a priori. It was taken as a given. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to enshrine the rights of the society because that was. But that, but that we had reached, and this is 10 years ago, we had reached a tipping point where the rights of the individual were trumping the rights of, this, of the broader society, right. which is why, as we all know, almost nobody was, was prosecuted in the wake of that uh, financial crash and scandal. So that, so that sometime between 1987 and 2007, insider trading ceased to be uh, a broadly prosecutable crime, right? It was right. like, well, he, he needed the money, yeah. Yeah, hey, you know when, right, right, right. right? The, the, there was a there's a big sort of moral shift but i feel it that the the consequences of that 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 we have been so focused on individualism right. without really attending to the nature of our society I, you know we, it's 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 really a big the common good is a really big question
0: yeah well i mean it's interesting yeah because our it's sort of our shorthand is that the 80s were the super selfish time but like we've we've we're definitely in a pretty selfish moment in some ways you do also see these movements these kind of progressive internet movements bubbling up you know but even even they are mostly identity based and sort of grounded in specific groups not sort of humanity as a whole but if
1: you come you know follow the money and i feel that one of the things if we come back to um one of the really big issues as we know in in that in the presidential campaign last year was the sense among many voters that Hillary Clinton um, represented a sort of business as right. usual and that was tied to her links to Wall Street her links to big money money she had taken for speeches and so on right. now the, we can we can <laughs> talk the, we can <laughs> talk about the alternatives and so on until the cows come right, home right, right. it's not but but I think th- there is some sense in which everybody on the docket was seen as you know Trump by many and I think you know uh, Russell Simmons was expressing that was seen by people who some people who voted for him as the opposite of business as usual, yeah. right? And that that was in some way recognizing this crisis in our broader culture, right. which which is to say the rich care about the rich,
0: and right.
1: and who cares about. Everybody else,
0: right? A billionaire or a millionaire real estate devel- developer, yeah, right. Who puts his name in gold letters on right. everything?
2: Cares right. about everybody right. else, right? But 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 that was yeah, but that the, was the, the but climate. I, but yeah. I, so so in terms yeah.
1: of you know the, the, how groups arise, I feel like that's actually the moment. In in the face of that, I think you know any any movement that actually really, um, whether it's political or social, a movement that is actually addressing what these realities are and these disparities, you know, that's that's truly. Got to be some way forward. I mean you know
0: it's troublesome and and then we should probably maybe move on in the next video but what's troublesome is that these like these realities are so complex and they've evolved over time I mean we've we've we didn't just get here overnight you no. know we're in we're in a crisis moment so like trying to address them in a way that's going to make sense in a popular television presidential campaign like you know like Bernie sanders like that was that felt like a shorthand way to address it, but I was never sanguine that 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 was gonna like solve it i mean right. it seemed like a kind of a nice vector like a reasonable
1: right but, direction but, but, you know but but for example, you know if there had really i mean it's a whole other thing, but <laughs> yeah. if they had really been able to come together in some more. Fruitful, you know. Right, if right. Democrats some rational, had, yes, actual. If, if like, Democrats had been able to to get together in some more <sighs> practical way that that was unifying rather than divisive within themselves, there might have been. Some
0: maybe I guess what I, I get. Yeah, maybe I guess what I'm saying is like when the problems are so deep and complex yes. and extreme, and when the way that we understand things on the public stage becomes, is in such broad right. strokes and becomes like, ever
1: more, it becomes like a tweet. It's not yeah, a tweet yeah, yeah. yeah. Not it's like it's
0: hard to convey complex, pragmatic solutions yes. to big problems, you know, what, in a way that people are going to buy. Right. Like,
1: but I feel that we've got to find some way because the, oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, alternative The yeah. is like, well, right, <laughs> the no, clips right there. Right,
0: right, 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 right. Maybe <laughs> if know. we can convey that yeah. you know, existential threat, you yeah, know, effectively. We, yeah, 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 maybe. Um, okay, cool. Let's see what the next okay. one is. Yeah? Okay. Oh, this is Alan Alda, who, full disclosure, was on this show, but this is a video clip from, that
2: I've not seen. I don't really like tips. Uh, it tips about communicating well, tips about writing. If I'm pressed really hard there are three tips that I, I do kind of follow. Probably it's a good idea to follow these tips after you get used to being connected to somebody, but there are three things that I like to do. I call it the three rules of three. So the first rule is, I try only to say three important things when I talk to people, no more than three. If, you can, if it's one thing, that's maybe even better. But usually there's a lot to say. But I, I, I'm, when I make notes on what I want to talk about, if I see I'm going on past three to four and five, I start eliminating them or seeing if I can fold them into the other things. Because three things are really all I can remember. And I don't work from notes when I talk to people and I advise other people not to. I don't never read it because reading just excommunicates you. It's not communication. It's excommunication in my view. So I can't remember more than three things. And I don't think they can remember more than three things. So what's the point of telling them stuff they're not going to remember? So I stick to three. That's rule number one of the rule of three, three things. The second rule is if I have a difficult thing to understand there's something I think is not going to be that easy to get. I try to say it in three different ways, because I think if you come in from different angles, you have a better chance of making a, getting a three-dimensional view of this difficult idea. So I try to say it three different ways. And the third tip, which I always forget, is that if, if I have a difficult thing that, that's hard to get… I try to say it three times through the talk so that the first time you hear it, you start to get used to it, the second time it's familiar, and the third time you say, oh, yeah, yeah, right, okay." So now I do follow those three tips, but I don't think I'd tell somebody, you're going to get up to talk. Here are three tips to remember. It's a process. You've got to get transformed into being a better communicator. You've got to go through steps. It's like going to the gym, only it's a lot more fun than going to the gym because it involves connecting with another person. And we're built to connect with another person in spite of the fact that we often avoid it. It actually is fun when we get into that position. So if we can get ourselves transformed into liking connecting with the audience we're talking to or writing for, then these tips will happen automatically, or finally we'll be able to put them to work in terms of that transformed way we have of connecting. It really feels good. You
0: know, he's talking about communication. I know you're you're, um, a teacher, a professor at uh, Harvard, and how long have you been teaching?
1: Oh, I've been teaching for over 20 years.
0: Over 20 years. I think I, I want to talk to you about this in the context maybe of teaching, like how, what have you maybe learned in that time about connecting with or communicating with students? You know, Are you doing big lectures? You must be doing some seminar, some it's workshop. small seminar. It's seminars. usually workshops. Okay. So the,
1: it's creative writing that I teach. I mean, I've taught literature classes, but mostly uh, creative writing workshops.
0: So it's hard to teach people to write.
1: What, what? <laughs> I don't know if you can really teach yeah, yeah. people to write. I think you can teach people to be better readers, more attentive readers of each other's and their own work as well as of the work of the masters, you know, and mistresses. But I think that's what it, you know, it's really teaching people to listen and attend closely to things.
0: How do you do that?
1: Um, you know, I, th- I think one way you do it is by reading something very slowly and closely together. Mm. Um, Another, you know, when we're talking about students' work, about each other's work, I I taught several times in a really wonderful. This is years ago, before I had children. I I was I taught in a a wonderful MFA low residency MFA program, Mm. Warren Wilson College, and there they have a very. uh, It's always stayed with me. They have a a very strong ethos, which is um, what they call descriptive rather than prescriptive criticism. Okay. So what, and I really believe in this, you know, how do you teach people to be better readers or, or, or better writers, um, that when you're reading somebody else's work, uh, you might say, oh, I think it'd be so much better if, if, if they got married at the end. I'd like this story so much better if, if there was another character in it. I'd like it so much better, if, but, but actually, um, that's prescribing what you would like it to be. Right. If you think about the experience of people giving you criticism, or responding to your work, the most useful thing somebody can tell you is, is what's there. Okay. Because you, when you're sitting down to write a story, and maybe this is true with non, I mean, it is to some extent true with nonfiction as well, but certainly when you're writing a, a, a fictional story, you have a whole world in your head and all these characters and all these things, and it's all, you've imma- you're imagining it all, it's all there. Right. And then you funnel it down into language on the paper. And you don't know for sure how much got there you you
0: make so you making assumptions perhaps right because about, you might yeah, you, yeah. you know
1: you you may think that some something is clear some character's some character's personality has come across in something but that's because they maybe that you have a much clearer sense than somebody else does so if if your readers respond and tell you what it is they've actually read not whether they like it or not right. but what they've actually read that actually is very helpful and it's not that it can't be painful but but it's emotionally much more neutral, because I think one of the things that's very difficult about the kind of teaching that I do is communication is often made difficult by how much emotion a writer has invested in their work. It's literally like you've cut off your arm and put it on the table. Right. In your fantasy, people are just saying, "I love it. It's fantastic. It's great." Right. But that's not productive for you either, right? It's it's no more productive than if they say, "I hate it. It's dumb." Right. Neither of those things is productive. Right. Right. So so it's about finding a way. You know, Alan Alda spoke of different angles. It's about finding an angle from which to approach the text that is actually going to be productive for the for the writer.
0: It's probably always good to keep in mind there. Like I, I would imagine, and I speak from some personal experience that it doesn't get a lot easier no matter how long you stay in writing. Like to, like, it's never easy if someone's coming at you with very blunt.
1: Right, criticism. Well, you write, right? right, you write fiction, you yeah, know. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it has, has it ever been helpful it's to you n- to, to have somebody say, "Well, that that bit sucked."
0: Right, it's never. But it
1: is helpful if somebody said that bit was boring. Right, that's I helpful. found
0: myself looking out the window right. or whatever. I lost my, yeah, yeah, I yeah, lost yeah, yeah. focus.
1: Like that's actually helpful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me look at why.
0: Have you, um, and I'm mindful that your editor might be listening to this, but have you ever had a great editor, like a really great editor, like that that you found made your writing better?
1: Yes, I mean, I th- I I, I, ha- I have a great editor, <laughs> and I have had great editors, um, other great editors too. You know, not they're they're not a dime a dozen. So, but I think that that it for me in my experience, it has been just, just precisely, that that somebody who is reading both sympathetically and critically, which is to say, right. saying. I'm trying to figure out what she's... Co- what might the platonic ideal of this be? Not what I want it to be, not... You you're know,
0: sympathetic to the, to the vision of the thing. the vision, yes, the and, vision of the and thing. And the voice of the, and, the writer. And then saying, like,
1: yeah. you know, but here it's not reaching that. Here it's not reaching that. Right. I think this is what... Is this what you're going for? Because if you are, I didn't... I had to I had to fill in, so you might need to do something with that. And, and a version, you know, my first book editor... Who's still my editor in Britain, whom I love, but I remember with my first novel, she literally did say this. She said, "I don't know how else to say it. This chapter's boring," <laughs> and it was incre- it right, was incredibly right, helpful. Right,
0: right. Okay. Yeah, because I think it is. I think it's probably the case. I mean, I you know people differ one to another, but I think it's probably the case for most artists of any kind that there is a voice somewhere in there waiting to be triggered at any point, which says, "You have no right to be doing this." Right. Like this is nonsense, you know? And so if you're speak, if someone is speaking to you, they, they should hopefully be coming from like, you know, starting from the premise that you do have a right to right. be doing this. Like, right,
1: and, and, yeah. and I think, you know, I, I often think of the, um, Raymond Carver wrote somewhere in an essay about, you know, we, or maybe it was when he was interviewed and somebody said, do you know, do you, what about students you think are talentless? And he said, you know, I, I never would say that. I, I, there was a student I taught who I thought would never Write anything that I was interested in, and sort of ten years later, I read this wonderful story without knowing mm. who the author was, and then I discovered, lo and behold, it was that student. You know that that what people are capable of, it's not always, you know, it's not always evident in the first in the first encounters. So, so right, that right. so that as a teacher, it is precisely your responsibility and obligation to to start, as you say, from the premise of possibility. What is it that you're trying to do? What are you aiming for? How can we get there?
0: And we do have, I think, this strange, like, misguided notion. I don't know if it's like uniquely American or what, but like, people standing outside of teaching or standing outside of the arts that that somehow the job of the the teacher is that is to like winnow out right. the ones is to who anoint, don't fit, anoint yeah, the yeah.
1: ones and dismiss the others. Yeah, yeah, you
0: know? yeah. Right. There's this uh, music teacher Suzuki. Um, Japanese music teacher and my son does guitar lessons in that method. And the whole thing there was like we expect every child to learn how to speak their native language. Why do we not expect that everyone should be able to make music? Right. You it's know It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Like why do we say that like, oh, I'm you're musical, you're not? I mean, I yes, some some may have perfect pitch, whatever, right. but some
1: may have advantages going right, on. Right right, 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 yeah. right. And you know, anybody can be a better communicator you know many of the people who come into a creative writing class are not going to be writers that's not uh, you know fiction writers or, or professional writers right. but but each of us can be a better communicator each of us can be be more artic- articulate you know i do i do try to impart we're so sorry this is no, a no, no like please. cheerleading for english but that's great but, but, <laughs> yay but for english but but it is but it is an amazing <laughs> language and we have the luxury of 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 having it as our you know, as our language to use. It's um, the, the, the fact that um, Shakespeare and Hassin, the French playwright, were contemporaries, and, and um, Shakespeare used a vocabulary twice the size, right? English has so many words. You can be so precise. You, it, you're, you're, you're at play in this amazing um, garden, garden yeah, yeah. And, and, and so... Sorry, I'm giving no, you the No, no, but yes, but, so, <laughs> each, but so, so each of us, even if, if you're never gonna write down a word, should embrace that—that that is our power, that the rhetorical, emotive, intellectual power that is in language. Each of us can harness it, and so that you know, yeah, that really is is the lesson.
0: Claire Masood, I have really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on.
1: Think Me Again. too, Jason. Thank you. What a privilege and pleasure it's been. Thank you so much.
0: And that wraps up another episode of Think Again. If you are loving what you hear, if you want to keep hearing this kind of eclectic, unpredictable conversation with a wide range of thinkers in every field, please go to whatever platform you listen on, um, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or somewhere else, and rate and or review the show, um, because that helps people discover it, it increases our visibility and the algorithms of those systems that I don't fully understand, but that are dependent on stuff like your ratings. Um, and also, I read I read the reviews, and I, I take them to heart. So please uh, take a moment to do that. And we'll be back next week with another great conversation for you. Hope you can join us.